What I want to talk about today, I'm going to do this this morning and tonight. I want to start talking about from scripture, how a Christian should view certain things that that, uh, the secular world thinks is off limits for us. They want us to just stay in our church within the four walls and not have an opinion on moral issues and social issues. And you will be criticized. I'll be criticized probably today. I don't know. Maybe since you came out here to my meeting, you might be friendly to me. But on television in a market where I'm just reaching everybody, I guarantee you I'll be criticized for saying a lot of the things that I say because they think you have no business. You don't know what you're talking about. Why don't you just stick to the Bible? Why don't you just preach about eternity and stuff? The the unbelievers don't mind Christians existing as long as you don't have an opinion that steps on their toes anytime. As long as you just stay inside your four walls. And this is basically the philosophy of this world. There's entire people who are preaching a separation of church and state. And that is not a godly concept. It's not in the United States Constitution. And anyway, I could get off and talk about all of that. But there is no such thing. The founding fathers, man, mixed together their faith in the Lord. Matter of fact, John Adams, who was the first vice president of the United States, he was the vice president to George Washington, and he was the second president. John Adams said that, the, that uh, democracy is totally unsuited for anybody but a moral people. If America ever ceases to be moral, democracy will destroy us. And that is literally happening. The church has not taken a stand on social moral issues and they have just stayed inside of their church. And because of that, we have left the social issues up to the unbelievers, up to people who didn't have a moral compass and a moral base. And they are establishing what's right and wrong. And because of it, democracy uh, is destroying America right now because we are electing people who reflect the immoral attitudes of a society that isn't being influenced by the church the way that it should. And so Christians need to speak out on this. Amen. And I'm not, let me just say, I'm not against anybody. I'm not mad at anybody. I am mad at the devil and I do have an opinion and I'm going to say some things and You know what? If you came looking to criticize me, I probably have something for you. Amen. (laughs) I'm sure that I'll say something that may offend somebody, but I pray that you get my heart in this. I'm trying to defend the integrity of the word of God. I'm trying to say that most people, even right here in this room, you established your philosophy, your way of looking at things prior to being born again. And sad to say, most people have not gone back through and done a total inventory to find out, are my attitudes and values Christian values? Instead, we just add Jesus to our life, expect that when we die and go to heaven, things will improve. And we just continue along the lines of what we've been taught and how we were raised. And we've drunk the Kool-Aid and we haven't evaluated our beliefs on the basis of what the Word says. So I'm going to say some things today that I can guarantee is probably going to step on your toes, but God will heal your toes. Amen. And just be merciful to me. I'm not mad at you. I'm saying these things because I believe there's great benefit in saying it. But, um, you know what, if you disagree, you're entitled to your opinion. You can, you can, you have a right to your opinion. I'm just not going to agree with you or we'd both be wrong. Amen. So first of all, what I want to talk about today is to go to scripture and compare it to teaching on evolution. And you know what? Most people today, if you're under probably 50 years old, maybe for certain, if you're under 40 years old, you have had evolution crammed down your throat. And even if you are over 50 years old, you have it reinforced millions of times about how old the earth is and all of these things. And it's stated as absolute fact that uh, evolution has been proven. And they look at any person who believes in a literal six day creation as being an absolute idiot. And there's a, you know, I saw a Barna survey. I tried to look this up, David, on their website. I can't find it. But anyway, I saw it. It was in my hands at one time. And I read it just a few months ago. 
And uh, Barna did a survey and there was only like 60% of pastors in the United States that believed in the biblical creation of the earth. Only 60%. And then out of the 60% who believed it, 80% of those said they would not preach on it because of the criticism that they would receive from their people. And so if you look at that, 80% of 60 would be what? Let me see here. That would only be 12%. Only 12% of preachers will speak out what they believe. And then I could imagine that among those 12%, that maybe 15, 50% of those aren't convinced. They aren't really up to date. They aren't up to speed. They can't convince somebody. So anyway, there's a very small percentage, somewhere probably 10% or less of preachers that will speak out on what the Bible has to say and defend the Bible because science has proven beyond any shadow of a doubt evolution to the point that most people just don't want the criticism, don't want to deal with it. And you know, that's a sad thing. And the scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. If you never hear any teaching on this, well, then what are you going to be left with? You won't have faith. You won't have a biblical understanding. You, you know, there's a lot I could say about this, but let me just say that you could break all attitudes towards how life came to be on this planet into two basic categories. One of them is totally anti-God, anti-Bible belief system. And then there are theistic theories about it. And uh, those are the two extremes. And then among the theistic, there are some Christians who believe that, well, God started the whole big bang and God started life and God controlled it and they give God credit for it. But they believe that it happened over hundreds of millions of years. And there's many, many different variations of that. But as I'm going to show you some things here in the Bible, the Bible doesn't leave room for any of those things. If you believe the Bible, you cannot believe that life happened accidentally. Actually, I'm going to try and make this from some secular points of view, but I don't believe logically, not only from a biblical standpoint, but logically you cannot believe that life just accidentally happened. It defies logic. It is absolutely impossible. But you cannot believe the Bible and believe that things happened randomly without divine intervention. And even those who believe in a theistic evolution and believe that God controlled it, but it took hundreds of millions of years to happen, that doesn't square with scripture either. If you are going to believe the Bible, you're going to have to believe in a literal six day creation of the earth. And some people just cannot do that because they believe that science has absolutely proven some things. I'm going to try and share some stuff with you today that hopefully will affect that opinion. Let's look over here in Genesis chapter one. This is where God created the heavens and the earth. I've got a very good friend of mine, a guy who actually teaches in our Bible school. I've asked him not to teach on this. So I'm not against people. I'm not saying you're of the devil. If you disagree with this, I understand that, man, we've all got different influences, but I'm just sharing with you what the Bible says. But there, this friend of mine teaches that in between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, there are millions and billions of years lapsed time that there was actually a pre-Adamic civilization over which Lucifer Satan ruled and all of the people became so wicked that God destroyed them and all of these people became demons. That's where demons came from. And in between Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth and Genesis 1-2 and the earth was void and without form. They believe that the earth became void, that God never created anything void. There is a scripture over in Isaiah, I think it is, or I'm not sure. But anyway, there is a scripture that says, I did not create the earth in vain. And they put that together and say that this wasn't created this way. It became vain. And this was because of a pre-Adamic civilization, etc. So they put millions and millions of years in between Genesis 1, 1 and Genesis 1, 2. 
But uh, again, I don't believe that squares with the Word of God. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but I could, and I can prove to you, I believe from Scripture, that that is not what it says. And let me just, let me just phrase it this way. If you can believe that, if you can take Genesis 1-1 and 1-2 and in between <laughs> write these things in, and if you can fit this into Scripture, you can fit anything into Scripture. If that's the way that you interpret scripture, there is no limit on what you can believe. There just isn't foundation for it. I could give you a lot of things I believe that are contrary to it. So anyway, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But in Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, look at this. It says, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so in verse 21. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good in verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so, and God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. This could be elaborated on much, much more, but basically all of these verses say that every creation, the plants, the trees, the animals, the sea creatures, the birds, the land animals, everything was created after his kind. It's specified every single time. The significance of that is that the Bible does not preach a tadpole becoming an ape, becoming a man, becoming a PhD. <laughs> everything produces after its kind. You can take a horse and breed it and you can get a miniature horse and a plow horse and a thoroughbred and you can do some things within the gene pool. Actually, uh, I was interviewing Dr. Carl Ball. You know, we've got a, a zoologist, aren't you, down here? And I was talking to him and he could verify these things much more than what I could. But uh, you can, when you change all of these things, you actually limit the viability of that animal. Did you know all of these breeded Things, they aren't as disease resistant. They aren't as strong and powerful as the original thing. You can change the gene pool to a degree. You can change some characteristics, but it's still a horse. It may be a miniature horse versus a plow horse, but it's still a horse. You cannot breed a horse to become a cow. It has never happened. It cannot happen. Everything reproduces after its kind. And yet evolution is built upon. This is the foundation of evolution that this becomes that. And it's contrary to scripture. This does not fit scripture. There is no way to have theistic evolution and believe the Bible. Now you can sit there and say that you believe God control uh, a monkey becoming a man and things like that, but you can't prove it. They don't have any evidence of it. I know some of you are thinking, oh no, they've proven they found Lucy over in Africa and they found this. And, and you know, but none of those things have proven anything. It hadn't proven a thing. Matter of fact, the Scopes monkey trial in 1925 where they introduced evolution and started teaching it in the school, did you know that the ACLU searched the entire United States to find somebody who would uh, take these things to court? There wasn't a real problem. They created it and they found this man, John Thomas Scopes, who is a, a teacher. And they asked, have you ever taught evolution? And he says, well, I'm not sure if I've ever taught evolution or not. But then they got to saying that in the, in the, um, curriculum, they had to present the evolutionary theory. And so he says, well, I guess I have in the sense that I mentioned it, but he says, I didn't teach on evolution. And they said, well, will you go to court? And so he said, yes. And they bribed the guy and enticed him into doing this. And so they took this thing to court because it was against the law in Tennessee 
to teach evolution. You could mention it and that was required in their curriculum, but you couldn't teach it as a viable factor back in 1925. So they had him go to court and he was in violation of the law. He was going to be fined $100. So the ACLU took it to court and uh, Clarence, is it Clarence Dowie? Darrow, Clarence Darrow was the uh, defense lawyer for this guy. And he went against William Jennings Bryant and just made a fool of him, put Brian on the stand and mocked it and mocked God and any person who believed in the Bible is an absolute idiot. And anyway, because of all this, this is what turned loose evolution in our society and uh, things like that. But anyway, the reason I brought that up is to say that they had a tooth that they said proved that men came from apes. They had a tooth that they said was a human tooth that was found in a strata of rock or something where only, you know, humans didn't exist, that this was prior, and this showed the evolution. Did you know that that tooth was never, in, it was mentioned, but they never showed it at the trial. Nobody ever examined it. They just made reference to it. And the guy who found this tooth, uh, after these trials were over, went back and did more excavation and actually found the rest of the skeleton and it turned out to be a pig. It wasn't a human tooth at all. I actually held one of those tooth, not the one that was in the trial, but one from the exact same jaw. I held that in my hand and saw it and it was a pig tooth and it was totally wrong, but that's what that whole trial was based on and stuff. And they were claiming that science has proven evolution. Science hadn't proven anything. Matter of fact, I'm going to share with you, there's a lot of science that disproves evolution. It is not a proven fact. So anyway, this is one of the things right here. It says that everything brings forth after its own kind. You cannot see. It is not observable. It has never been observed. It cannot be observed because God created all animals and they had to bring forth after their kind. You cannot believe in these verses and believe in evolution. They are opposed to each other. Also, if you believe in the Big Bang and that all this stuff was thrown out there, that violates all of these scriptures. Because look at this in Genesis chapter 1. It says in verse 6, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And so He, on, on the second day, He created this space that we call uh, the firmament, the sky, and divided the waters. And then in verse... Um, Nine And let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place. Let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth the grass, etc. And here's the verse I was wanting to get to in verse 14. God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and it was so and God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day the lesser light to rule the night and he made the stars also according to this the earth was created in the beginning And there was water around it. And it was the fourth day of creation before God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. The earth existed first. It wasn't all just flung out at one time. The scripture teaches that the earth was created and the sun, the moon, and the stars were created specifically to give light upon the earth. Again, this goes against the evolutionary model. It just does not fit. Amen? Look over in Psalms chapter 19. In Psalms chapter 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. That's just simply saying that it doesn't matter what kind of language you speak any place on the earth. Creation is a witness to every person who has ever breathed upon this planet about God's existence. 
It says, their line has gone out throughout the, through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. And it goes on and just talks about creation. You know, I wrote some of these things down. Let me read this to you. The Hebrew word for declare, it means to score with a mark as a tally or record. That is, by implication, to inscribe. So when it says the heavens declare, the heavens have inscribed. It's like God has set a mark. He has inscribed. Or here's the way I would say it. You can see God's fingerprint. You can see God in creation. Creation is just, it's a mark. It's a declaration that God exists, that he's created these things. And the next word here, it says the firmament showeth his handiwork. The word showeth. Uh, means to front, that is, stand boldly out opposite by implication to manifest figuratively to announce, always by word of mouth to one presence, specifically to expose, predict, explain, or praise. Man, the creation is explaining God, praising God, pointing to God. It is shouting at us constantly. You know, in a sense, I can understand an unbeliever not believing in creation because it is to their advantage. If you think that you are just slime, that you evolved into a person, that you're no different than a dog or a cat, it's a convenient theology because that way you don't have any accountability to a creator. And so it allows you to live like an animal, a dog or a cat. You have no responsibility. It just all depends on whether you get caught. As long as there isn't a law against it, as long as nobody's going to punish you, you just do whatever you want to. I can understand an unbeliever wanting to live that way because it helps them to deal with the intuitive witness that's on the inside of every single person. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. Let me just flip over there. I'm not through in in, um, Psalms, but in Romans chapter 1, let me read this passage to you. Boy, this will answer a lot of questions. Romans chapter one, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. If you look this up in the Greek, it's actually saying the wrath of God is already revealed. It has, it has been revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. And in the Greek, that word all means all. It means every ungodly thing. God has already revealed his wrath against this. And unrighteousness of men which hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it unto them. Notice it didn't say that it's manifest to them. It's manifest in them. Inside of every person is a conscience and an intuitive knowledge that God exists and that there is right and there is wrong. When people say that they are an atheist or an agnostic, it's actually a lie. In their heart, they know the truth. You can take a gun and put it to an atheist head and say, I'm going to kill you. And they'll go, oh God. They'll call out to the God that they don't believe in. They can get into mind games and in their mind, they can convince themselves. And the rest of Romans chapter one does say that it's possible to sear your conscience with a hot iron. That's first Timothy chapter Four verses one through three, you can reject God and resist God so much that eventually you cut your conscience and you get to where you can sin with impunity. But nobody started that way. Every person had the righteousness of God revealed to them is what these verses are saying. Every person knows it. Every person. And again, I know that many of us have been brought up in a culture that preaches exactly opposite this and you've drunk the Kool-Aid And you just believe that, oh no, there's people who are total atheists. It's just not so. Again, unless they've gone so far that they are reprobate and they've hardened themselves. But nobody started that way. Everybody in their heart knows that there is a God. God put a homing device on the inside of every person. And it goes on to say in the next verse, verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Not opately or vaguely, but it is clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. 
If a sparrow can be, you know, born someplace and fly 5,000 miles away and then come back to the exact spot and they just have this instinct, this homing device. If an animal just intuitively knows how to give birth and how to raise a an animal and do all of these things. And they just instinctively know this. the salmon come back to the place, the exact same place. If God put that inside of an animal, I can guarantee you every person that's ever breathed on this planet knows that there is a God and knows that they are responsible to a God. It's just what these verses are saying. Now you can deaden yourself to it over a period of time, but that doesn't do away with the fact that you know it deep down in your heart. I had a situation in Vietnam where I was holding a Bible study. And this is of course not long after I got really turned on to the Lord and I didn't know very much. I was teaching what I knew, but I didn't know very much. And I had a guy who's a Princeton graduate come sent in on one of my Bible studies and he listened for a while. And then he started asking me these questions about where did Cain get his wife? I have no idea where Cain got his wife. I could give you an explanation, but I don't have a scripture to stand on. I mean, I don't know. So anyway, he started asking me all these questions. And after just a few questions, he made me look like a fool. And he got up and left, mocked me and laughed at me. You idiot. You don't have any smart at all. And he says, I'm an atheist. I don't believe any of this. And my Bible study group, there's about six guys. They walked out with the atheist. He converted them and they all left. And so I was sitting there thinking, well, that went really well. (laughs) Praying about God, what do I do? And you know what? This atheist comes back in and sits down in a chair. And I was praying saying, oh God, give me another chance. And while I had my eyes closed praying, he walked over to me and he waited until everybody else had left. And he says, I want what you have. (laughs) And I said, you do? And he said, yes. He says, my whole life is based on intellect and on an argument. I out-argued you. I made you look like a fool. And yet you have something you still believe. It's deeper than just your mind. You have an experience with the Lord. And I got to lead this atheist to the Lord. He knew in his heart that it was right. I don't ever argue with people who say there isn't a God and that and I'm not convicted about this sin. They know in their heart all unrighteousness. You know it's wrong. That's right. You can try and convince somebody else, but you can't convince me because I know what the Word of God says. And in your heart, you know right from wrong. People know it's wrong to have sex with a man with a man and a woman with a woman. I don't care what anybody says and how they justify it. It doesn't work. I forgot who it was, Lester Summerall or somebody was interviewing a homosexual and he was trying to promote it. And he just says, all right, explain to me, how do you have sex with another man? (laughs) And the guy just clammed up. He couldn't, you know, you aren't made to do that. Anybody with half a brain knows better than that. And you can sit there and explain it away all you want to, but it's just every person in their heart knows right from wrong. Every person knew at one time that there was a God. I had an employee, Steve Martin, and this guy heard me preach on this exact thing. And he he came back to me and he was sincere. And he said, Andrew, he says, I really enjoy your teaching. He's since born again and everything. But he says, I was raised by atheists. I was raised to believe there was no God. And I never had any conviction. I never believed in God. I never did anything. And that verse just isn't true in my life. And I said, Steve, I don't know you. I don't know where you came from, but I can guarantee you, I believe the word of God more than I believe you. And I said, you may have deadened yourself to it, but I can guarantee you there was a time when you were a kid, you knew there was a God. So anyway, he went out and started praying about, and the Lord reminded him, he was raised in Los Angeles and he was about 10, 11, 12 years old, somewhere around there. And he was sitting on a hill overlooking Los Angeles and looking at the sunset. And as the sunset, he started noticing lights coming on. And he just noticed millions and millions and millions of lights. And he was looking on, he was on this hill looking at that and just thinking about how much work it was to put up all of those lights, thinking that every single light had to be put up by somebody. It didn't just happen. They were put there and he looked at all of those millions of lights and thought how much work this was. And as it got dark, he said he just lifted his 
gaze from the lights of Los Angeles up to the lights in the sky. And he said that a voice spoke to him and he says, and every one of these lights had to be put there by someone. And all of a sudden he had a flashback and remembered that, you know what? There was a time I knew that there was a God, but he just rejected it because it was contrary to what he was taught and he refused to operate in it. But if you would allow the Lord, I can guarantee you every person in here, even when you were a child, regardless of what route you took and how you lived, at one time you were sensitive to God. At one time you knew that there was a God. At one time, the first time you ever smoked a cigarette, got drunk, ever committed adultery, you had a conviction about it and you felt miserable. Now you can deaden yourself to it if you just keep doing something over and over. But I can guarantee you the first time you crossed that line, You knew something was wrong. You felt convicted about it. That's what the scriptures teach. And back to Psalms chapter 19, the heavens are declaring, they are shouting out. It's God's fingerprint. Any person with half a brain has sat down and looked at the awesomeness of this creation and thought, surely there must be a God. It takes more faith to believe in evolution than it takes to believe in creation. You know, you can't even take one blade of grass without just seeing God in it. I mean, the simplest thing in creation. You could take all of the cumulative resources of mankind. You could pool the knowledge of mankind that has sent people to the moon. You can take all of the intelligence of mankind, all of the resources, all of the money. You could make this the only purpose on the earth is to create one blade of living grass and they couldn't do it. They could create something that would look like grass. It would have the same chemical composition. It might smell like it. You you could feel like it, but it'll never reproduce. It'll never grow. It'll never produce another blade of grass. Mankind with all of their intelligence and effort can't do the puniest little thing. And yet they think that all of this complexity happened without any intelligence. It just randomly happened. You know, one of the things that I did in school, I was a math major and I took some courses and we had these laws of probability. And I forget exactly right now, somebody may challenge me on this. Please don't be so technical that you missed my point. It's been 50 years or I don't know. It's been 40 years at least since I was in school doing these things. But anything to the 10th, I think to the 10th or the 12th power somewhere around there is statistically impossible. For instance, it just cannot happen. There is a science called the laws of probability and anything to the 10 to the 10th power or higher is just statistically impossible. Nobody believes that those things exist. And yet mathematicians have figured out the chances of evolution happening and it's one in the 10th to some trillion power. And every time you go from 10 to the 11th power, that's not just one time more. It's 10 times more impossible. To go to the trillionth power, is, it's just astronomical. I've also heard this comparison that if you took a bomb and set it off in a Boeing 747 factory, the chances of a bomb exploding. Now, see, this is a big stretch because in the first place, where did all of those parts in the factory come from? Somebody had to make those things. But let's just assume that there was all of this substance and stuff available. And if a bomb went off in a Boeing 747 factory, And if it assembled a 747 jet that could fly and work perfectly, the chances of that happening are about one trillion. It's one trillionth more likely that that would happen than evolution would happen. If you put a bomb in an old style uh, printing press and, and a bomb went off and it made all of these pieces of type come together and the ink get on the plate and the stuff go through and print Bibles, perfectly collate them, stack them and have them orderly. The chances of that happening are a million times more likely than evolution. Anybody who believes in that Again, I know that many of us were raised this way and we've just never evaluated. So I'm not trying to be mean to you, but you know what? That defies logic. It's impossible. One of the, the second law of thermodynamics 
which this is a scientific study. The second law of thermodynamics says that everything goes from a state of order to a state of disorder. And yet evolution is based on the opposite, that everything goes from disorder and absolute chaos to this tremendous complexity that we see. That's impossible. If you take, uh, uh, you know, flowers and just lay them up here on the stage, and if you just threw flowers around on the stage and come back in a week, they aren't going to just gradually get better and arrange and make an arrangement. But if you take flowers and put them in arrangement, they will fall apart and they will decay and they will fade. Things go from order to disorder. It is not observable anywhere in nature that things are going from simple to complex. Things go from complex to simple. Things deteriorate and go downhill. That's observable in nature. And yet evolution is exactly based on the opposite stuff. One of the things that is thrown people is the fact that what about all of the rock strata? And what about all of this? And the millions and millions and millions of years and the dinosaurs and the things that absolutely prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is evolution over all of these millions of years. Everything about that can be explained by a worldwide flood. Every single thing. I interviewed in this uh, series that I've done on television, I'm going to have Dr. Uh, Grady McMurtry and Dr. Carl Ball. And there's many other scientists. There's, I forget the exact number, but there's over 10,000 scientists who have gone on record that evolution is impossible. It can't happen. And they're doing it from a scientific standpoint. These, many of them aren't even Christians. And so uh, the people who are non-Christians just call it intelligent design is what they refer to. And they believe it could have been an alien or something, but they believe there had to be some intelligent. It is absolutely scientifically impossible for, cre- for uh, evolution to have happened. And anyway, I interview these guys on my television program and they will give all of the stats. You know, I'm just not qualified to do all that stuff. But in our book that's coming out, I've got their quotes. I've got them saying things. I've got their pictures that uh, show these things. I went to uh, the Creation Evidence Museum in Glen Rose, Texas. And um, man, I wish I could remember this guy's name. But the leading evolutionist, Meyer, uh, Ernest Mayer. He's the supposed, supposedly the number one evolutionary authority on the earth. And he made this statement about the uh, Creation Evidence Museum at Glen Rose, Texas, which is on the Paluxy River. And he says, if you could ever prove that dinosaurs and men existed at the same time, evolution is dead. And yet the reason he said that about the Glen Rose Evidence Museum is that in the same strata of rock, you have human footprints and dinosaur footprints right together. Matter of fact, here's a picture of them. I'm not sure how obvious this is, but on the left, here's another picture that's got it outlined. And I actually held this rock and looked at it. This is a human footprint and a dinosaur footprint that have been outlined And uh, the dinosaur actually stepped on top of the human footprint. That's in Glen Rose, Texas. And there's not just one of them. There's dozens of them. It's also been found in the Permian Basin. And there are human footprints and dinosaur footprints in the same strata of rock all over the world. The evolutionists just uh, failed to mention this. According to evolution, there is over 60 million years split between um, dinosaurs and humans. And yet here are human footprints in the same strata of uh, fossils. And I actually had a man come. He was, how old was this guy? Do you remember Dave? He was probably, I don't know, 70 or, or years old, but he went back and when he was a kid, he used to play on the Paluxy River and he said they saw these human footprints and dinosaur footprints all of the time and it was just normal for him. You can go there to Glen Rose, Texas and see it. And according to Ernest Mayer, the leading evolutionist, if man and dinosaurs existed at the old time, then their whole dating of all of this stuff is wrong. Matter of fact, there is this called a geological column. I don't know if you know which one that is, but there's a geological column 
We've got a slide of that. Right here is a slide of this. And this is supposed to be showing over 500 million years worth of geology. And at the very bottom is the um, oldest strata of rock. Now, this is all rock from those stratas, but they are reassembled to go into this museum, but they're all actual samples of that rock. And this is according to evolution. This is the geological column. I don't know if you can see it, but uh, you know, that white band that is right in the middle, right there, you see something sticking up in that. What that is, that's a tree trunk. And this is an actual sample of rock And that tree trunk sticks up a hundred million years into the strata. What this means is that either this tree lived for over a hundred million years in that one spot or this strata of rock was put down in a really quick period of time. And it does not mean that there was hundreds of millions years and layer after layer after layer of this rock. And, they, and there's another one down there. They've got a special name for these. But all throughout the geological record, all over the world, these columns of rock that are the Cambrian and, you know, all of these um, fancy names, which I don't know how to call them. They have these anomalies in them, plants that grow through a hundred million years worth of rock. It's all over the world. And I asked these scientists, I said, so how do the evolutionists deal with this? They ignore it. They don't mention this because it doesn't fit their model. Also, we have a sample. If you can go to the one that's got the fossil of a sandal. I held this in my hand and and, uh, Dr. Ball's got this fossilized sandal right here. It may not look much like it, but when you hold it, you can actually see the stitching. You can see the stitching on the sandal. And this was a footprint that was made in this strata that is supposed to be 500 million years old. According to evolution, man didn't show up until about, what was it? Two point something million years ago or something like this. So this is hundreds of millions of years out of sequence. It is a human uh, sandal. You can see the stitching and there are two trilobites, which are little one celled animals in there, the trilobites are supposed to be 500 million years old. And yet here it is on a human sandal fossilized on there. And a trilobite has these compound eyes that are more complex than the fanciest uh, shutter camera that we have in existence today. And yet here's this one celled animal that is incredibly uh, complex. And here it is about I don't know, 400 something million years out of sequence. And, uh, you know, I've got pictures. I don't think I had them bring this up. They've got it on that computer, but we didn't have time to go through all of this. But uh, when Mount St. Helens erupted in 1980, we've got pictures of that. And in three days, there were three main eruptions, not in three days sequentially. It was over about a month's period of time. But in 1980, when Mount St. Helens erupted, Uh, There were three main eruptions. The first eruption put down 25 feet of ash. The second eruption, 25 feet. The third eruption, 25 feet. So there is a column of 75 feet and it is, it parallels exactly the geological column that's in the Grand Canyon and stuff like that. It looks like these different layers of rock and yet it was all put down in three days time. Uh, less than 24 hours period of time. Right here is the Grand Canyon. This is another slide. And these little arrows show you all of the stratas of rock. And what they don't fail to mention is right at the very top, there's over 6 million years missing in that geological column. The next arrow is there's 14 million years missing there. And there's 100 million years missing down here. If all of these things were laid down gradually, then there should be this column. It should be observable, but there's places where it's missing. Matter of fact, there's a place in uh, the Grand Canyon. I don't think I have this slide up there, but this will be in my book and it'll be in this interview with these scientists. You can actually see where there's alternating bands of the strata that used to be 500 million years old and then 400 million years old and then 500 million years old and then 300 and then 200 and... They're out of sequence and they just fail to mention that. 
plus the folding of all of these things. If you've ever seen any of these mountains with all of the folded rock and stuff like this, that is totally against the evolutionary model. That shows that it was laid down by water. Every one of these things can be answered by a worldwide flood. Also, let me show you, they've got a picture here of a cup, a uh, iron cup that was found in a lump of coal. And this man was putting coal in his furnace and he had a lump that was too big to fit. And so he took a sledgehammer and broke it open. That's not it. It's, well, let me just talk about this one first. This is a, uh, an iron tool. I actually held this and it's six sided. It's been pounded out. It is a hexagon shaped tool and it was in, where did it go? (laughs) Here's that cup and the tool together. And uh, the tool is a hexagon shaped hammer and it's in rock that is supposed to be 500 million years old. It was inside the rock. Now tell me how that happened if it's separated by 460 million years from human beings. And did you know that that iron, another thing about this iron is that they took a sample of it and tested it and it cannot exist in our world today. It had such a high oxygen content. And what that means is that prior to the flood, there was an increased pressure on the earth and an increased oxygen content, which those two things account for the giants. You know, the giants existed before the flood, but with the decreased oxygen and the decreased atmospheric pressure and stuff like this, uh, people don't live as big. Animals don't grow as big. This is what happened to the dinosaurs and stuff like this, that everything was transformed by the flood. The entire... uh, climate of the earth was changed by the flood and that's how the dinosaurs died out and things like that. And so anyway, this, here's this uh, hammer that's in rock that is 400 and something million years out of place according to the evolutionary model. And uh, I've got that picture of that uh, cup, but that was in a lump of coal that was, coal is supposed to be 400 million years old and take millions and millions of years to form. And yet Dr. Baugh has actually done an experiment where in 12 minutes he produced coal out of trash and uh, light and heat. And in 12 minutes he produced a uh, uh, lump of coal. It doesn't take millions and millions of years. It just takes increased pressure and energy uh, and heat to produce it. And so there's experiments that have been done to do that. The carbon-14 dating method that they use to date some of these dinosaurs as being hundreds of millions of years old and stuff like this, they've actually done experiments on living animals and found them to be 400 million years old. (laughs) They don't even use carbon-14 anymore because it is absolutely unreliable. It cannot work. Here's another thing about carbon-14. Did you know that in uh, granite, there is a, a radioactive isotope, polonium-214. And this isotope has a half-life of 0.000164 seconds. That means that this radioactive isotope dissipates in less than one one-thousandth of a second. So here's what this means. In all granite, like where we live, they have problems with radon gas and things like this because there's radioactive materials in granite. If granite took longer than one one thousandth of a second to form, there wouldn't be any radioactive isotopes in them because they would have all just dissipated. It had to form in less than one one thousandth of a second. And here's proof of it, polonium-214. It has a half-life of less than one one-thousandth of a second. And on and on and on and on and on you can go with all of this. I'm telling you that evolution is a religion. And it, people want to believe in evolution because it takes away responsibility to a creator. We don't have to become accountable. It is a religion. It started, there's actually documented proof 
of Plato mentioning evolution. This whole concept was was back popular during the time of Christ. There's some people who were pushing this. All of the founding fathers of this nation were aware of the uh, evolutionary theories and they rejected it out of hand. Every founding father of this nation. This is not something new. Charles Darwin didn't come up with this. Charles Darwin put out that book and people jumped on the bandwagon because again, it was during right at the end of what was called the enlightenment where they tried to totally do away with God and do away with Christianity and anything to do with God. And there was a mindset where people were trying to cast off all of the restraints of religion. And so it fit their religion, their non-religion religion. And they adopted it and they went for it. But it is not a proven fact. I don't know if any of you saw the movie Expelled. I didn't see that, but I heard about it. And, you know, there's, there's two examples. A guy even at Baylor University. Baylor's supposed to be a Christian university. And this guy was expelled and his tenure taken away. And uh, he, his research money was taken away because he published an article by somebody who just suggested that evolution is impossible. There had to be intelligence behind it that you cannot find this complexity with just random chance. It can't happen. You know, the reason that the evolution has come up with these hundreds of millions of years is because it is not observable in nature that anything is changing from one species to another, from simple to complex. It does not exist. It is against every law of nature we know. And so they have to extrapolate that it took hundreds of millions of years. And over these billions of years, the chances, you know, that lightning, where did the lightning come from? Struck a pool of slime. Where did the pool of slime come from? And out of that, a one-celled animal happened and then it evolved and mutated. And it just takes incredible, incredible amounts of time to even make this plausible to any person But nothing substantiates this. This Dr. Grady McMurtry, I don't know if we have his slides available, but he's got a slide from outer space showing the Mississippi River as it empties into the Gulf of Mexico. Do you have that one? Right here it is, and I'm not sure that you can see it, but at the end of, you know, where the water starts, you can see under the water where there is a uh, delta, where there's this deposit And he has done research and every place, every river, every river on the face of the planet, there isn't a single river on the planet that has more than 4,500 years worth of deposit at the Delta. Not a one. If there were hundreds of millions of years, then there would be huge deposits Also, he goes into Genesis chapter six, where it says that during the flood of Noah, that the waters cleaved or clave. And that Hebrew word means to come to a knife point. And anyway, he goes, he's a scientist and he goes into all of these things that 10 miles below the surface of the earth, there is more water under the earth than there is on top of the earth. And scientists have verified this and have shown this. And they've known about this for hundreds of years. And the Bible says that when the flood happened, that the waters of the deep were broken up. And every uh, one mile that you go down, the temperature increases by 90 degrees. So 10 miles below the surface of the earth is where the vast majority of the water on the earth is. And it's at 900 degrees Fahrenheit, which means that it's steam. And this is what causes um, eruptions and volcanoes. And so when God opened up the fountain of the deep, it says the water's clay. They came to a knife point. And we have a picture of the uh, oceans of the world mapped right here. I'm not sure how well you see this. But in the oceans of the world, the the darker blue ridge that you can see like going in between um, South Africa, South America and Africa, and you see it going all through the Pacific and then it comes around to the Indian Ocean and it goes up and all of this. This is one rift that split the earth 
And it started in Caesarea Philippi. They can um, show you exactly where it happened. It went down the Jordan River, through the Dead Sea, through the Panama, I mean the Suez Canal, and went out that way. And then it split right there um, in between Australia and Africa. It split and one went to the Pacific, one went over here to the uh, Atlantic. And anyway, you've got these... these um, these uh, ridges or this valley, it's called a rift uh, under the ocean. It's called the continental rift and things. And they got all of these names and it goes all the way around the world. And there are these stretch marks. I'm not sure how well you can see all of this stuff, but you get my book when it comes out, you'll be able to look at it close. And it's got stretch marks. And anyway, the point of all of this is that there was at one time a uh, one continent called Pangea. And when the flood came, all of these continents were cut loose and they didn't drift one inch per million years. If it had happened that way, the bottom of the ocean would be filled with sediment over millions and millions and millions of years. And yet there's not over 4,500 years worth of sediment anywhere on the earth. It breaks the evolutionary model. And it spread all of these continents apart. This is why you have uh, all of this ancient record of people in the Americas and people think that they came across the Bering Strait and all of this kind of stuff. At one time, all of this was one continent. The, uh, the, when the flood came, the fountains of the deep were broken up. These continents broke apart. This continental rift, you can fit everyone, not necessarily the continents themselves, but if you go to the continental shelf, which is just a mile or two offshore, underwater, every one of the continental shelves fit perfectly with all of these other things. And you can see how at one time this was what was called Pangea. And it was the Noah's flood that did all of this. This Dr. McMurtry did a, I forgot how long, but it was at least one program or maybe two programs. And he showed how that the uh, Grand Canyon could be formed in less than one year by a worldwide flood. And he showed it scientifically we had floods in 1999 where I live. And I remember on the television, them showing a road that I have driven across and out where we live, everything is granite. It's all decomposed granite. You don't have to put gravel on your roads. When you make a road at my house, it is granite. It is, it's gravel. And uh, so here were these rocks and things, these hillsides. And yet we had a flash flood And they showed a picture of a road that I had driven over that in one hour's time, a ditch was dug that was over 30 feet deep. It washed out the road through granite in 30 minutes time or an hour. This thing was 30 feet deep. The evolutionist will tell you that the Grand Canyon eroded one inch per million years. And yet I've seen it with my own eyes that I've seen granite erode 30 feet in one hour. Imagine what a worldwide flood with rifts and uh, crevices and stuff would do. Another thing, if you look at the geological column, did you know that there should be places where if it took millions and millions and millions of years for all of this to lay down, then how come that with erosion, there isn't valleys, V-shaped things that are filled in with mud from a previous layer and stuff like that? You won't see that. These layers are consistent because they were all laid down during Noah's flood in less than one year period of time. And all of of these rocks are sedimentary rocks. That means they were formed by water erosion. And anyway, I'm not a great scientist, but I'm telling you that evolution is a crock. And it did not take, it did not take millions and millions and millions of years. Things do not go from simple to complex Everything produces after its own kind. And for anybody who's got half a brain, and again, I'm not trying to be mean towards anybody. I know many of us have just been taught this and we've never challenged it because after all, it is an established fact. It's not an established fact. But the Bible says in Psalms 14 and Psalms 53, they're basically the identical Psalm. It says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And I'm saying this in respect. I'm not trying to be hard on anybody, but I'm brothers and sisters. It is absolutely foolish to believe that our incredible complexity happened randomly by accident over billions and billions of years. 
You know, if somehow or another we sent a spacecraft to Mars and if it landed on Mars and if they found a house that was built with a front door and a back door and a toilet and a kitchen that was furnished, they would be shouting, this is proof that there's life on Mars. They wouldn't say it evolved. And yet that's not alive. It can't reproduce. If you were walking through a desert and I was walking uh, out in our forest and you know, basically it's just forest, but I walked upon a thing and I looked and there were trees laying and, and it was odd the way they were laying. And I got to looking and you know what? It used to be a house. There were stones put there for a foundation. And this was an old log cabin, probably hundred, 200 years old. It took some looking, but it was obvious after a while that this was a log house. And I got to thinking to myself, how do I know that those rocks didn't just fall there and all of these trees didn't just fall and somehow or another get notched and interconnected? And how do I know that this didn't just evolve? If you stumbled upon an old uh, decayed log structure in the forest, and if you thought that that evolved, you are just a fool. Forgive me for being blunt, but that is absolutely foolish. And this is just pieces of wood cut. How much more the complexity, man, David was talking about getting an eye exam, how complex his eye is, our spinal column, the way that it's made. Psalms 139 talks about we are fearfully and wonderfully made. If you study the human body to think that this happens accidentally is absolutely foolish. Forgive me for being blunt, but if you can believe that, you can believe anything. And that's the reason that once people let go of what the Bible says and let go of the fingerprints of God that are all over you and all over creation, once you let go of that reality and you believe that things can just randomly, accidentally happen, then you can believe anything. You could believe any lie. Amen. So I know some of you think I strayed way from where I'm supposed to be, but you know what? I believe that the scriptures bear out that God created the heavens and the earth. All things are created by him. And I'm telling you, Christians should not compromise on this and you shouldn't be held captive by anybody who claims that they have undisputable proof. You know, at the Scopes Monkey Trial, this is my last thing and I'll quit. But at the Scopes Monkey Trial, this Darrow, one of his arguments was, it is absolutely intellectually dishonest that anybody should preach only one theory on the origin of life. And what he was saying is that evolution ought to be preached the same as creationism. And yet here we are 80 something years later and now it is absolute. You are just ridiculed if you mention that God created the heavens and the earth. Evolution is the only thing that's presented and you're ridiculed and made fun of. The very argument has flip-flopped. And today, these people who claim that we ought to be tolerant towards them, they aren't tolerant towards us at all. They won't tolerate anybody who believes in God and they make you feel inferior. Amen. Amen. The Russian cosmonaut went out into space and says, there isn't any God. I didn't see him. All he had to do was step out of that spaceship. (laughs) He had a man in face to face. You know what? Some of you think I'm weird and that there isn't a God or whatever, but you'll know different sometime. You will come around to my way of thinking someday. Amen. I'm not sure we're going to be in the same place so that you can tell me about it. But I believe you will come to this conclusion. And I believe that on a heart level, every person ought to know this. It is so simple. You have to have somebody to help you to misunderstand it. I just, I can't understand why Christians would buy into that other than the fact that they've been told it so many times by so many people and they just never challenged it. If nothing else, you ought to take the things I'm talking about with the internet. You can go search out every one of these things that I've talked about. You can look it for yourself. If evolution is the truth, it ought to stand examination. 
And for you to just dismiss it and not even acknowledge these things is absolutely wrong on your part. Amen. You know, if you don't know Jesus here today, I always want to give people an opportunity to make a commitment to the Lord. I know that probably the majority of people here are born again people. You wouldn't be out here on a Saturday morning listening to a Texan if you weren't already born again. But if you haven't made a commitment of your life to the Lord, we want to give you that opportunity. And also, if you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which includes speaking in tongues, we'd like to give you an opportunity to do that. We've had now how many people? Just over 100 people received the baptism, and I think six or so that got born again. Praise God. That's awesome. But if you haven't received the baptism, which includes speaking in tongues, if you don't speak in tongues, you need this. The Holy Spirit is the one that inspires you and gives you revelation and stuff. You need this in your life. Is there anybody here who would raise their hand and say, I'd like to receive that? I'd like to pray with you and help you this morning. Anybody? Here's one over here. Praise God. Here's some back here in the back. Praise the Lord. You know, if you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand but didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward and we want to pray with you right here and help you to receive. Praise God. Just come forward right now and let us minister to you. Praise God. Awesome. God bless you, brother. Jonathan, nice to meet you. Amen. I got a son named Jonathan. I love that name. That's a good name. <laughs> good name. Praise the Lord. Hi. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, let me remind you, they're having the Bible college meeting in just a few minutes in room C and D. So if you've ever considered coming to the Bible college, please go check that out. Uh, They'll wait for you if you want to stay in here just a few minutes, but it will be starting. So don't forget that. Anybody else want to come and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And isn't this great? We've already had over a hundred people come and receive and praise God. I believe this is going to transform your life. You know, in an effort to speed everything up because of the Bible college meeting and we got a service, our service tonight is at 6 p.m. instead of 7 p.m. What I'd like to ask is if you wouldn't mind if you would just go with Robert and he's going to take you to a room and they will pray with you. And I've got a book that I want to give every one of you that will explain what the baptism of the Holy Spirit's all about and they will help you to receive. And I believe that this is going to transform your life. Amen. So if you would, if you'd just follow Robert right here, he's a man with his Bible up waving at you, and they'll pray with you and minister to you. Praise the Lord. God bless you. I believe that you are receiving. It's going to change your life. Hallelujah. And I'd like to ask our prayer ministers, if they would, to come up here, and they're going to be available if you need prayer for anything. It doesn't have to be physical healing. It could be anything. It could be emotional. You could be interceding for someone else. But if you just want someone to agree with you and pray with you, I'd like to give you this opportunity to come and let one of our prayer ministers uh, pray with you. And praise God, we're believing God for great, great miracles. So if you need prayer, come up out of your seat right now and come forward and let one of our prayer ministers pray with you. Again, don't forget the meeting on the Bible College and don't forget that we have the meeting tonight at 6 p.m. You don't want to miss this praise and worship. Charlie and Jill are just awesome, so make sure you get here in time for the praise and worship. Amen. Praise God. If you need prayer, just come forward. I'm going to let the rest of you go and I'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. That'll be our final service. God bless you.